0: Welcome back to Like a Bigfoot Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This is a very uh, exciting episode for me. One, because I get to sit down and chat with Robbie Ballinger. Uh, I've been kind of following Robbie's journey over the last few years. And I have to say, like some of the things he's done, some of these huge events and huge adventures he's taken on have truly been epic quests uh robbie's ran across america uh he outlasted a tesla you just have to look it up look up that video it's crazy he ran for uh over 250 miles uh through texas which had to been ridiculous and super hot and all that um and he also a few years ago completed a self-invented challenge called the colorado crush um there's also an excellent uh, film about that, which we're going to get into in a second. But uh, but the Colorado Crush, he ran every event in Leadville. So the marathon, the 50 miler, and the 100 miler. And in between the marathon and 50, he decided he was going to run the Colorado Trail from Denver to Durango. And in between the 50 and the 100, he decided he was going to climb every single 14er In Colorado it is a quest that completely fascinated me as it was going on you know kind of like following his journey seeing the updates and and rooting him on spiritually you know uh, as he was out there um, out in the mountains and stuff like that Um, but you got to see it to believe it and Robbie and filmmaker Reese Robinson captured that event and made a wonderful film called the Colorado Crush which you can check out on their youtube channel the audacious report which i am very excited to announce to all of you that we will also be releasing our film a long way from nowhere which i've been working on forever and trying not to talk about 24 7 on this podcast um we are also releasing it on the audacious report on march 10th so only like one week away after I release this episode, you'll be able to go on there, check out our film. I'm extremely proud of it. Uh, the next few weeks of this podcast will be kind of focused on that film. Um, yeah, so there's a lot more to come with me talking about that whole project. And hopefully you all get a chance to tune in and and watch it and tell me what you think of it. Um, when I go and watch it, I really think it's kind of like a a visual representation of some of the stories we've been able to share on this show. Um, So I'm super proud of it for that. But anyways, we'll talk more about that next week. Right now, let's jump right in with the fantastic, the absolutely mind-blowing endurance athlete, filmmaker, just awesome human being, Robbie Ballinger. Robbie, I've kind of been following your journey for a few years now. And uh I have to say I'm like truly blown away by some of the big challenges and the big events you've been able to do. Oh wow. Well,
1: thank you, man. It's it's really exciting to be on here with you. And uh yeah. Yeah, it's dude. Be fun.
0: Oh, I'm psyched. I uh I want to talk about the Audacious Report. I want to talk about Colorado Crush, um running across America, all of this stuff, right? But i have to start with this uh i re-watched the colorado crush film this morning and there was like one little throwaway side comment
1: that i'm Uh like dude i
0: have to hear that story where you said (laughs) you're like coming out of the woods on the colorado trail and you're like yeah i saw a bear and i scared it away using the sultry voice of rod stewart and maggie (laughs) may and i'm like that's amazing i want to hear about
1: <laughs> oh man yeah it was coming out of um i think it was like day 9 or 8 or 9 of my 11 days on the colorado trail it had been a really long day 55 i think mile day but it took me like 19 hours uh i i think like what the film doesn't show is i was the first person to do a full pass of the Colorado trail for the year. So a lot of it was just mud and ice and snow and gunk. Um, And that day was a lot of it. And yeah, I was, I was at the point where you had to really decide if what you were seeing was real or not. Like (laughs) I was, and I saw a bear and I was like, "Uh Oh, I wonder if it's real. And I kept going and he stood up on his back legs. And I was like, ah, yep, I'm pretty sure he's there. And, uh, I had headphones in and I'm a big, big fan of Rod Stewart. And (laughs) I just like I was like what do I do here I could yell at this bear all day I was like nah I just unplugged my headphones so it was just like blaring through my phone and me
0: and the bear got to listen to Rod Stewart Maggie Mae for a while wake up Maggie! oh dude that's amazing and I want to say because you know I as a trail runner I'm like dude what happens if I run into certain animals like a bear for example and I I've always joked with my friends I'm like well do you remember that scene in back to the future where he like hooks up his headphones, on the- like <laughs> to somebody and blasts like Van Halen. And the guy's like, yeah. Whoa, I'm like, I'm going to do that. But to the bear. And you actually did it. Gotcha. <laughs> I it's didn't make it to get headphones on him, but yeah, we, we listened together
1: for, for a while.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think like, it's all like, Hey, just I'm here. Like, yeah, you know, Yeah, that's yeah. You know, I was in my early twenties. I lived up in
1: Alaska for a long summer and, uh, yeah, there's definitely a time of year up there where you really have to work, watch out for the grizzlies. Yeah. And we went for like a three day hike. And it was me and two other guys and three guys, me and three other guys. And we were talking to the bears the whole time. Like they tell you just be like, hey, bear, hey, bear, you want you want <laughs> the bears to hear you before, you know, you see them. And by the end, the gibberish from hey bear, what it had turned into was pretty hilarious, you know, like three exhausted guys been out for three, four days. So yeah, it kind of brought me back to that. I was like, I don't need to go through that again. We'll let Rod Stewart do it. <laughs> You're just
0: opening up to the bear about life. You yeah, <laughs> going to use bear therapy right now. Bear therapy. So, yeah. um, I needed
1: I needed some by that day.
0: <laughs> dude, that's amazing, man. And I want to hear all about the Colorado Crush. I think that's. I mean, as someone who geeks out about Colorado um to the point of moving out here like I definitely want to hear about that experience um but before we start I want to I want you to talk a little bit about the audacious report um you started this filmmaking YouTube channel and it's high quality documentaries um and selfishly I want to uh I want to have you talk about because we're actually going to be releasing our film A long way from nowhere on your channel. And I'm super psyched by that and super honored and yeah, man, can you kind of tell us like, what is this project and, and where did it start and where do you see it going? Yeah, absolutely. And yes, we are
1: very excited for your film as well. (laughs) Um, so the audacious report, you know, it's one of those things I run a lot. I mean, you run a lot, you got a lot of time to think dream, make shit up in your head and sometimes they come to fruition and the audacious report is one of those, it it was, it was in my head for about a year and, uh, Then I took on the Tesla challenge and that was outlasting a Tesla in Texas. It was uh, last April, actually. And there was just some aspects of that effort. Uh, there were brands involved and it just, at the end of it, I really felt as though I, at that point understood what it took to execute a high quality in your face film about endurance uh to a degree that maybe most don't just having participated in a couple whether they be films about me also ones where i've been crew for some athletes that have had some really awesome films come out and i was like you know one like i feel like i can do this really well and i can i can help steer the ship on some really good films about about endurance Um, but also it's a really fun experience and i really like the fact that you get to tell stories through high quality media if you have the resources and i want to see more people have those resources and kind of taking the idea that like right now there's a million good athletes in the world and it's unfortunate but it's a truth that the way you get to do really big audacious things often is you have to have sponsors because it's just not it's, it's a heavy lift financially and you know, no nothing against brands, but the way brands will back things is you have to have a big social media following. And I would want, through the Audacious Report, want to bring more equity into, into the ability to tell stories through film. So if I can create the Audacious Report, tell the stories of athletes doing amazing things, eventually we'll get to a point where people are tuning into our channel in a way that I can then more proactively bring athletes into the spotlight. I can go to brands and say hey, I got this athlete that's really incredible for 50 different reasons. And I want to make a film about them. And because my channel's doing well, I can assure you it gets seen by enough people for it to be worth it for you. Yeah. And just being able to kind of short circuit this a little bit and allow more athletes to get more exposure. That's really the heart of why the Audacious Report exists. And also... You know like i think i've got 10 more years of good running in me but when when the wheels fall off when 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 the legs aren't working like they used to i still want to be a voice within this space i see it as something that's budding and growing and has the opportunity to to grow in a lot of amazing ways and i want to be one of the people that helps to steer that
0: yeah yeah man and i think uh you know just at least for me like and I'm i'm curious to see what you think about this how do you feel about it as a storyteller And as a filmmaker, like, uh, I think you've been able to tell these great stories that you've been a part of, but now you're going to start, you know, pulling in aspects of other people's stories. Like, does that excite you at all?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, like I wish I had the skill set to say I was the filmmaker in these, but that's really my partner, Reese Robinson. Yeah, he's he's yeah. the filmmaker for the Colorado Crush. And I get to be there to kind of advise and help shape the narrative and see yeah. like from an athlete's perspective. Like I think I can anticipate often what we're gonna see on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that part's really exciting. I think like endurance events really create so many like incredible story arcs like you get you just you get the hero's journey just about every time um but there's vulner- there's just such high levels of vulnerability yeah and every time you come out of one of these you learn something and if we can show that progression of of growth happen on film and, and get to bring other people into that experience It's just ripe for good storytelling and it's always inspiring, you know, it doesn't and it doesn't always matter which way the effort goes like sometimes people don't hit their goals. That's what I really love about your film is it's just this true testament to what happens amidst people becoming vulnerable and putting themselves on the line and there's always so much to be learned. And yeah. if, and that's usually just learned by the athlete, but if we can tell their story, more people get to learn from it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, from my perspective, I'm like, the more people that can be inspired to go chase their Big audacious dreams too. Like whatever Absolutely. they may be, like some yeah. of them might be out running a Tesla for th- over <laughs> three days. Or, you know, some of them might honestly just be stepping outside their comfort zone and signing up for a yoga class for the first time or something or like, like that. Like
1: or simply like getting out of bed, right? Yeah. Like when I when I ran across the United States in 2019, the point of the run was to create conversations about better food choices and promote the efficacy of a plant-based diet. And I thought that when I that was the first time I had really done anything big, it was when I started creating an audience on social media and i thought that's what i was there to do that was the objective that's what people would learn and gain from yeah. it but i quickly started getting feedback from people and it was way bigger than that it was it, it was so much more impactful it was people that had mls you know the early stages of and they had started to give up but they saw every morning me getting up and pressing to run another 45 miles every day and they were like well if he can do that every day I'm not giving up yet, and I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to go walk around the neighborhood. Yeah, and you know there was one person in particular who it went from her walking outside to three months later she had her son join her and she walked a half marathon in her neighborhood. That's and
0: amazing.
1: So it's like it, it's just so broad of how we can through athletics we can inspire people to become athletes to do big things, but it, maybe it's smaller, maybe it's more just changing
0: their lifestyle, just handling life. You know totally. handling the challenges i think um it's that ripple effect that you're the way i look at it i mean it's it's a pretty simple way to look at it but you're either putting bad things out or you're putting good things out like Absolutely. i mean honestly does it it's kind of comes down to that and uh especially like on the on an on online space there's so much negativity there's so much bad things being put out all the time and i'm like man if if we can have People be like these little voices of good, and that yeah. ripple effect is going to just grow and grow, hopefully. For sure. Which yeah. is we amazing. Gotta, we got to
1: counterbalance all the crap out there.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speak to what you're doing with this. Like, to me, uh, some of the most interesting people I've been able to talk to in the endurance and adventure community and world and stuff are people. Who don't have the following on social media absolutely that they, that they should truly i mean i hear about some of their adventures and i'm just like mind is completely <laughs> wrong and i love that that's your goal is to give people kind of the voice without having to go through like all the sponsorships needed or or whatever yeah. you know um where'd you guys come up with the name
1: um you know for me it's just a i i think like it's a word that when it surfaced into my mind, it just started to ruminate. It's like audacious. It's just like, it's something that's, I think I've always had kind of an audacious look at life even before becoming an athlete Yeah, and it, it embodies so much of, of this space, just doing outlandish things for the sake (laughs) of doing it for no more reason than like I can.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Do you think that's like one of your like core values that you have? Like, could you like nail that down, you know?
1: Yeah, I think it's like just that ethic of like always being bold and big and, you know, has always been a part of me. I think at my younger years, it was probably directed in much more destructive Yeah. Avenues like my 20s were pretty wild. I enjoyed every second of it, but (laughs) you know, there there just became a time where it was like, I'm not going to quit. My energy is never going to change, but let me just direct it somewhere else. Yeah. And I think, like, I think that's been a really interesting thing for me to look back. Like, I look back at pictures of myself in my late 20s when I was like really hitting it hard. And I know what I was up to at that time. And I look at that person and I look at me now and I'm like, really, there's not that much different. The only thing that's different is I pivoted where i put that attention yeah and yeah. and i think that's like a, an important thing for me to know i think a lot i'd love for more people to know that like if if like to change your habits and your ways doesn't mean you're going to fundamentally change the human you are it's just like where do you want to where do you want to let that
0: energy blast
1: out into the universe
0: <laughs> and so when did you like get into running or like you know what i mean and i'm sure you've told the story a billion times so feel free to to tell it as fast or slow as you want but like when did you get into this whole thing you know
1: yeah it was kind of later in life i'm 38 now i started running when i was 29 uh and it was the partying was at full full tilt but i was also involved with some new restaurants that had opened in austin texas that's what i did in my previous life i was a restaurateur and We were about to we were opening these restaurants and they were this one and it was wildly successful it was a pizzeria and as it was opening it was real small but super busy really high caliber a lot of integrity and i was just like raging at night trying to run these restaurants a day and i started dating a girl who worked there and i think she could see that like it just wasn't working out like i was just getting i was just beating myself down and she invited me out on a run she was a marathoner. And that run stuck. And so did that girlfriend. She's now my wife. (laughs) And and so the running just progressively, it was a marathon. It was like the normal progression, you know, but it was quick. It was like, I'm running a couple of weeks later, I ran a 10 mile loop. And then it was a half marathon marathon. And then by two years later, I ran the cruel jewel 50, a 50 miler up in Northeast Georgia mountains. And I got myself into a really hard race, not knowing it. Um, and, but I loved, I loved what I gained from it. I loved that moment where I sat down against a tree and cried because I didn't think I could finish it. And I thought it was going to take nine hours. And I was halfway done and it had already been nine hours. And I was like... And I got up and I finished it. And I just felt so full of myself and good that I was able to, at that point, really shed completely everything that had been in my past that I I was just tired of. And and then it was like, here's this new way to live. And then it just... (laughs) One, there was a lot of stories in between, but, you know, then a, a couple of years later, I'm running across the United States and that was really where I solidified myself in this space.
0: Yeah. Where did that? I, I mean, t- to me, running across the United States sounds like such an amazing life changing experience. Where did that idea like initially come from, you know, and then I think also you mentioned being bold. Like, yeah. where does that boldness come from? Like so many people <laughs> probably have these ideas and don't act on them, you know? I think it, the the boldness comes back to just like
1: where I came from. Like my dad passed away when I was really young, but he left a strong legacy of someone who was pretty bold himself. Pretty yeah. he was a he was a wild child that died at 26. Yeah. And I embodied that for a really long time. Um but then my mom also always instilled in me this this ethic that you could do anything you set your mind to. And so I think when those two aspects of me came together it was at a time where I was in a healthy enough place to put it towards something such as running across the United States. But then like the, the like more tangible, like how it came to be was I had left those restaurants that was where I'd found running. And my then girlfriend had brought me into running. We moved up to Colorado for her to go to nursing school. I had burned out in the restaurant industry. I felt like I'd done what I could do there. I sold my shares in the restaurant. We moved. And I had created a financial cushion that I could take a couple months to see what I wanted to do next. And the way I was processing that was through running. Yeah, I was running more and more and more. And in that, I did pretty well at a race down in West Texas we go to every year. It was a short race. It was a 30K. But for the first time I, I came in, like I, I, I podiumed. Yeah. And I, I came back through Austin to pick up my dog and my now father-in-law. Uh, he's he's a big running enthusiast himself, and we were both big fans of the book Born to Run. And he said, "Hey man, you want to go down to the Copper Canyon and run the Caballo Blanco Fifty? Like yeah. I just want to go, and you're the my, you're my vessel. Like you can." Run. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, absolutely, let's go." So him and I and his wife and my now sister in law, we went down. And while I was down there, I met a guy who just pat in passing said he had ran across the United States, uh, Patrick Sweeney, and i just was like what like i thought only force gump did that
0: (laughs) yeah dude that's (laughs) a gump thing
1: (laughs) yeah and so i came home and i had been really struggling with what i was going to do next and decided i was like i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna go bold and i'm gonna run across the united states and at that time i just become plant-based and i was looking to do something a little more altruistic with my next chapter yeah. I was like, this is it. I'm going to run across to promote. that. I really think this diet is viable for me. I think it's better for the environment. And in this, hopefully I can create a new career path and that'll be somewhere in running. I didn't know where, but I wanted to see what this would do for me. I just really followed that, that little devil on my shoulder that was like nudging me in that direction. Yeah. And instead of like suppressing it. I was like, no, I'm going for it. And it took a year of planning and trying to find sponsors again. Like I think a lot of my reason for audacious is because I went through that process. I was someone who had 800 followers on Instagram, you know, that average number that we all have of just our friends and family. So like finding a sponsor that wanted to get on board with that was just torturous. Like it was probably harder than the actual run itself. And luckily I was able to market myself and position myself in a way that I found some, but I'd, I'd like to, you know, circum, you know, I'd Dude, like to yeah. sort
0: of circuit that for others. <laughs> I mean, I've been doing the podcast for a while. Like, you're definitely not the first person that's told me that exact same thing. Like, yeah. someone's this one guy's like, yeah, I'm, I, I went to Antarctica to the South Pole, and the hardest thing was finding sponsors. And I'm like, yeah. whoa, <laughs> that's crazy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's it is, is you know, it's like rightfully so. It's hard to get people to pay you to do this crazy thing that. You want
0: to it's just like it's so abstract most people and they don't know know if you can do it like why am i dumping all this money into this guy who like sorry i'm gonna plug my computer in real quick but like why am i dumping all this money into this guy who is i guess unproven you know yeah totally but i'm also like the way my personality is is i just jump on board right away so if someone's yeah. like, "Hey, I'm doing this thing," I'm like, "Hell yeah! Hell, like, yeah. Let's what, go!" What do you need from me? Like, <laughs> I'm, you know. So it's it's a weird thing because I understand like where they're coming from, probably. Yeah, but also it's kind of against my like enthusiasm. Well, know? it's like I mean, and also it's like
1: half of half of the battle is like showing up to the. <laughs> going up to the start line. And that start line can be the day you announce you're going to do something, right? Like I, I, my two grandfathers were really influential in my life because my father passed away when I was really young. And one was this really proud Texan. He was actually born in Brooklyn, but he he loved to tell everybody he was a Texan. And uh he loved like old Westerns, especially like uh John Wayne and yeah. Clint Eastwood movies. And his favorite saying was, if you're going to shoot, shoot. If you're going to do something, do it. Yeah. And so when I hear people that are like, i'm going to x and it's bold and audacious i'm like yeah you are and i'm yeah. here for it like i am <laughs> here for it let's do this yeah uh because it takes a lot just to say uh, i'm I'm here and I'm, I'm gonna put myself on the line for something so abstract and probably doesn't have a real i don't know there's no like big thing that comes out of the end but we do it just to
0: do it there there yeah man there really isn't but i've started realizing like the things that stick in my brain like you know how you probably know how it is you go for days and days and days doing something and there's like a two minute time period where you're really thinking about something brand new and it kind of opens up your eyes to this whole new perspective (laughs) and you get to the end and you're like that was the trophy like i didn't need anything else i just needed that and now i know it and now it's stuck with me forever in my brain
1: absolutely i learned something from every big effort and multitudes of things usually yeah and then the, another the part is you dream up the next thing that's the scary <laughs> part you're like out there and you're like well next time i'm gonna do this <laughs> and like you think of 20 things but for some reason one always just hangs on and you can't yeah. let go of it and then the next year there you are at the start line and you're like well yeah one just feeds the next
0: yeah dude you're speaking uh i got plenty of ideas that i'm like ah oh, just go go away I, just. I don't- <laughs> yeah i don't need you right now come back (laughs) uh that's amazing man well uh yeah i I want to get into the colorado crush um can you kind of talk about i mean i guess you can kind of say what it is but uh, (sighs) but i want to hear how that kind of compared to running across the united states like what were the unique challenges and in what ways were they similar and things like that yeah so the colorado crush
1: it was um 63 days and it was the Leadville Trail Series, so marathon in June, fifty miler in July, and hundred miler in August. Between the marathon and the fifty miler, I ran the Colorado Trail, so four hundred eighty-five di- miles. I did that in eleven days, and then between the fifty miler and the hundred, I summited all fifty-eight peaks over fourteen thousand feet. All the fourteen, mind blowing. <laughs> it ended up being like twelve hundred miles, but the real the kicker for me was it was there was three hundred eight thousand feet of gain. So that's the equivalent of summiting Everest from sea to summit 10 and a half times in 63 days. Uh, So yes, that was, that was the dream. Can I crush Colorado? And then run the Leadville 100 after all
0: that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let's just end with, (laughs) let's end with a bang. Why not? (laughs) And uh, it was nice though, like the structure of the challenge was really cool because you did have these bookends, right? You knew it started on the day of the marathon and it all had to be done by the hundred. And that really created this, like, I think a really cool dynamic yeah. and it's also made it so it's not as strongly like an FKT. It's more like a, if you want to try to accomplish this, see if you can get it done. Like this is the parameters. From There's like a here. set time period for the
0: start date and end date. Yeah,
1: totally. Um, so that was it. That was kind of the, it was birthed out of uh, our years of COVID and just wanting to get out and be in the mountains more and wanted to ditch the job I wasn't really into I worked a little bit after uh running across the US and I was like I don't really like what I was doing so let's let's find
0: another cr- crazy challenge and see if I can get people to pay me to do it yeah did you <laughs> uh, just go up to your wife and you're like hey you know how we've been like stuck inside for a while I have this idea where I'm gonna be outside Always like actually it it was her fault,
1: it was her fault. It <laughs> was like it was the summer of COVID, and we had been cooped up at home. She's a nurse, so we were really, really good about so yeah. uh not not really hanging out with people because we didn't want her to give something to anyone else, yeah. But she was the one that instigated it. We had done a couple 14ers over the years before, but she was like, Hey, let's let's just go start getting up in the mountains. When we you know everything's shut down we can't see people but we can hang out in the mountains together and so the summer of covid 2020 we did 25 of the 14ers okay. and that that was where i dreamed it up it was while up there i was like i want to do the rest of, i want to do them all and i want to do all this other crazy shit. can we do it all in one summer and uh yeah so that was how it was birthed and then getting out there you know the marathon really i say this in the film like i underestimated it i had been training in denver mainly predominantly on roads through the winter and I get up there for the marathon and I was like, oh no, like, what have I got myself into? This is yeah. going to be, this is going to be a big summer because everything was going to be at 10,000 feet or higher. And uh, I got that done. And then the luckily, like we, we went right into the Colorado trail. Uh, again, it was early in the season. So weather was a little rough. It rained a lot in the first five days, right before Reese got there to start filming. Yeah. Um, but that was a part that I felt like I was most prepared for just being linear from point A to point B, very similar to the trans con. Uh, What I found out there was I'd never realized how much running on the shoulder of the road with semis passing me really wore me down. Yeah. It was so much more serene to be on a trail. I was able to really convene with my thoughts a lot. Um, We touch on it in the film, but I was really able to put to rest a lot of my thoughts and feelings about manhood and where my father, his, his, his brother had died during COVID and it really brought up a lot of old emotions. Yeah. And the, it just came at a time where I got to get out there and spend 11 days, like sifting through it and yeah. coming out the other side, feeling very confident about who I was in respect to who
0: the legacy for which had been left for me. Yeah. Um, I found so that, that part yeah. really interesting. And I mean, I kind of want to dive in like to a little yeah. bit of it, um, you talked about masculinity and kind of like redefining what that meant to you. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I'm a guy who works at a middle school with a bunch of middle school boys (laughs) and stuff. And I think when you're young and when you're growing up, you have this idea of what masculinity is, you know, and you're getting it from the movies and, and the music, you're like, you know, all of that, you know, your friends and, and things like that. And, um, and as you grow, I, th- I think what I've kind of thought about, and I might be totally wrong about this, but as you grow, you either redefine it based uh-huh. on what your experiences are now or you just dig in to yeah. what you think it's supposed, like what you grew up thinking it was supposed to be. And it's usually one or the other. And it sounds like you were able to kind of like adapt your view of masculinity um which i think is probably the more healthy and like reasonable way <laughs> to handle it but uh but yeah can you kind of talk about that like what did you what did you mean by that like when you were younger what what did that mean to you and, and what does it mean to you now
1: yeah so i kind of touched on it a minute ago like my father had a legacy he died again very young he was 26 i was two and that legacy was him and his brothers it was built around they were pretty hard-living guys like they were they were young They were a tight knit group of three boys and um, they had social, they had like financial security and they worked for the family business, but they also were just like party animals. And so when I was growing up and through adolescence, I heard a lot about this on the peripheral and like any young boy, you want to embody those people you look up to. And for me, that person was dead. He didn't get to give me what his like who he had grown into. I was I was like basing it off of a reckless twenty six year old, not like the thirty five year old man who would have been raising me at that point. Yeah. Um, And so with that, like, I had a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, and I was not sure what it meant to be a man. So I just partied balls, like, and it was a like it was a lot of fun. I don't I don't regret a second of it. But where I am is, I'm proud of myself for the minute I started to wear me out. I was like, okay, like, let's reestablish, let's, let's, let's find something else. Yeah. So that was really what I was, I was coping with like, you know, with that legacy comes a lot of baggage. And it was like, how can I, I don't want to let go who my father was. I don't want to let down this family name, but how can I, how can I fully transition into the man I want to be without. Becoming a fraud who forgets who he was. And so that was what I came to terms with is like, you know, I've been searching all these years for what it means to be a man by embodying that of someone else. But here I am. I've proven myself. I've ran across the United States. I've done other things. And now here's me flexing what my version of a man is. And if I have kids, that's what I'm going to pass on. Yeah. So that was kind of the this like 11 day process to get to that and just feeling real confident in that. I think like, if you have a parent, especially the one of, you know, like, like for me being a boy and losing my father, I, I was just really unsure of myself and how I was going to step into manhood. And like, I've created these challenges in order to test that. And I finally came to terms with it. I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm that man. I'm that man now.
0: Dude. Well, I mean, what's more manly than having like, complete self-assurance and self-confidence in who you are. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm like, that's way more manly to, to me than anything else is someone who knows who they are and why they're doing what they do. You know, And, and do what they do. Like, yeah. I think a lot for me now is like
1: follow through. Like, yeah. I think I say that in the film, it's like, it's setting out to do something, having integrity, having consistency and like doing those things. Like yeah. if I, I, you know, I go back to like my dad's father, my grandfather, I was real close with him and at his funeral, uh, it was said that he always, he always did what he said he was going to do for good or bad. It was always, you could count on the man's word was his bond. And that's just something I was like, okay. And I think that's what I'm flexing through this. It's like, I'm going to set out to do something. I'm going to do it.
0: Yeah. And he didn't know his grandson was going to be like, I'm actually going to climb all the 14ers, run <laughs> <No>. <laughs> all this stuff, do the car trail. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, dude, that's amazing, man. I that's what I as I was watching the film, that was the thing that really connected with me mm-hmm. was hearing you say that because I think I think that's so true. And, and can you kind of talk about like, what is it about just being out there in the middle of nowhere by yourself? Well, or, you know, you might be with people every so every now and then, but like you're in nature by yourself and you're able to actually like take time to, to think about those. Can you just like, just speak to that a little bit? Because I think a lot of people kind of miss out on that, you know, yeah. they miss out on that alone time for days and days. Yeah. I
1: think solitude's important and especially in a place as serene as nature. And to me, I think that was something too, that I really defined during that effort was this idea that like. We live in a world that's really trying to take our attention constantly. It's pushing us and pulling us and prodding us in every direction, except introspection. Like, it's really hard for us to take the time to be introspective and hear, like, connect with ourselves and check in and say, like, who am I? What am I doing? What do I really want to do? And these efforts, especially the Colorado Crush, allowed me to fully step into myself and check in. And I think that's I, – that's, I come back so much cl- more clear-headed because of it. And it doesn't have to be the Colorado Crush. Like, you know, just go yeah. hike for an, for an afternoon, turn your phone off, and just be out there. You know, I noticed when I was doing the Colorado Trail was – there was – the couple, first couple of days was breaking myself of the habit of my phone. I am out yes. in the middle of nowhere, and I'm pushing – I'm pushing to make mileage every day. But I'm still, like, every hour checking my phone, and even knowing <laughs> I don't have – cell phone service it's like i want it i'm addicted to it Dude. and then i got to where i was i didn't need even want to look at it anymore. Yeah. it took that that the color to the great thing about having a film about it was it was able to memorialize something that i didn't show as much on social media like i did i had to to a
0: degree but you didn't want to because uh-uh, I, mean, I was it just living experience yeah yeah exactly
1: sure. so having that ability to tell that story in retrospect i'm really thankful for
0: yeah man and i think there's something that, like when i've done the Desert at stage race and you're way out there and your phones don't work i'm like yeah. it's a relief dude it's <laughs> yeah. such a relief i'm like i this isn't even an option anymore <laughs> totally. i'm in the desert <laughs> i don't know but no dude that's amazing well so uh, i did have to ask you so you finished colorado trail uh-huh. and there's a whole scene in the movie where you're sitting there talking about it and you're like <laughs> i'm pretty sure that was like the hardest part of this whole thing and i was like oh did they leave that in like just uh just to be like, Robbie, remember when you said this and then it got Absolutely. way harder?
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: my if like we went,
1: we went back and watched it a little while back, my wife and I, and like every time she giggles at that part, she's like, you idiot. Like you, who says that right there? You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it had just really begun for me. Like I love
0: that, dude. Yeah. I was like, so Reese, uh, can you talk about Reese really quick? He's uh, the yeah. filmmaker. um yeah, man. The, yeah. Was Reece that a Reese like, thing? He's like, we're leaving this in, dude. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it just fit the arc so well. It, it was did. just like that moment where it gives you like a touch of what's about to happen. There was a point when, in the editing <laughs> phase where... There's a scene right at the – I think it's at the beginning, and then it reoccurs right at the end where I'm dying in yeah. the in the hundred, and I'm like, I just don't think my legs can go another step. And there was a time in the editing process where I said that. I think this was the hardest part, and then it switched right to that. <laughs> and, it, and, and then we were like, dude, just – we got to stretch it out. Like, like, I get where you're going, but we just got – yeah, so – yeah, that was definitely a moment where Reese, I think, was like, "Ha oh, ha, I'm going to show you what you said." It's great, um, dude. I love it. It yeah. was so ominous because because uh, anyone
0: watching it's like, "Well, that can't be the hardest part." Like, yeah. What's the point hard. in this film, right? Like, why
1: why are we out here? Uh, yeah. And just speaking to Reese, like he's really he's a great kid or he's a great guy. He's a little bit younger than me, and uh, <laughs> like why so I almost called him a kid. He's not a kid, uh, but he's my business partner in Audacious. We yeah. were paired up for this effort. I had Newcom, my main sponsor they you know we wanted to make a film about it and we reached out to a couple of people we knew asking for filmmakers that might be right for the project reese's name came on my desk we met in new york city And I just really loved his energy. He's just a really calm, great person. And now that we're in business together, we work really well together because we are polar opposites. We have like opposite strengths. And we, I think, both respect that about each other. And so it's really making for a really fun and rewarding work environment. I learn from him every day and i hope like maybe he's learned like one thing from me but like (laughs) but
0: i definitely learned from
1: him he's a wise soul and he's really really good at what he does
0: yeah man he's he's so amazing dude like the stories and the shots that you you guys have been able to get on all of your films have been absolutely wonderful um i i want to hear a little about 14ers i love 14ers dude i'm like total geek that was like one of when we decided to move out here it was one of the reasons uh i have not hiked all of them though by any means and i really want to but every time you are able to get up and do one it's like a special day you for know? sure and to spend 40 days doing them all is just incredible can you just tell me real quick like high moment high moment low moment of that like was there any just unbelievable like almost intangibly beautiful moments and then was there any like sketchy or whatever, <laughs> like terrifying yeah. ones.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, in general, like you said, it's like you get up there, it's amazing. So spending that many days getting to go up on, I just started about every day. Like as the sun would come up, I'd be halfway up, it and I just say, man, how lucky am I? Like, it was just gratitude. Like, God, yeah. it's so gorgeous. So, yeah. But as far as like highs and lows, um, capital peak is the big one. That's yeah. the one that has like the class four, some class five moves, it's huge. Like when you come up to it, it's just like, it looks different. It's built different. It's, it's more like, it reminds me of Mount Whitney in California, the highest point in the U S. Um, so that one was incredible. It was an incredible experience. The Elks in general, like out that way near Aspen, those, those, those mountains are just the vertical rise on them is intense. They're very steep. And in that, it just makes, they're different. They're built different and they're really great. And I really enjoyed that section.
0: They feel uh, different. Like even the, I mean, yeah. the rocks are more crumbly and for sure. There's probably some smart geology term for it, but I'm sure there is. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh But yeah, that was really like the high, uh, the
1: low of the summer was just avoiding weather in general. Yeah. And it was like that for the 14ers. Like there was some pretty dramatic drives in order to get this done like we were in the elks and i was knocking off like the bells uh maroon the bells and then the pyramid peak and it was just these weird storms were coming in where it would be fine until like 10 a.m and then it would be just downpours and like mudslides and we went from the elk so anybody familiar we went from aspen back over to twin lakes area just in an afternoon because we needed to
0: like avoid the rain. Dude, I saw that on back to the Elks. Yeah. While it was scrolling in the film, yeah. I was like, Oh, that's strange, man. He did one of the maroon bells went and over. they went to Antero yeah, and did yeah. that in the saw <laughs> yeah.
1: and then came back.
0: Yeah. And that was, that just was all avoid. weather.
1: Yeah. It was just like, I got done. I'm beat. And I think I'm just going to go crawl in my van and get up in the morning. And John, my brother-in-law who was with me during those, he was doing some of them and some days he was just checking weather and doing other stuff and he was like hey man like we're not getting this one done in the morning like the rain's going to come in in the middle of the night yeah. but we can't we can't lose the day like i gotta get these done and it's like jump in the car we've got a four-hour drive and we were both in our own van so you know it's like afternoon coffees just to get to the next trailhead and then do <laughs> it and then drive back to aspen so that part was just like a lot to juggle but there wasn't really a lot of like i can't say oh i had a poor poor pitiful me moment during the 14 yeah. years
0: yeah while uh while you're doing all this um I, i'm a huge fan of uh specifically the roll-on episodes of rich roll yeah where him and adam Skolnick just they're the like dude it's awesome i love those episodes so much because they're yeah. just buddies talking and um they dive into some really deep stuff they do less serious stuff like i just i enjoy Kind of the randomness of it but every time they did one that summer they mm-hmm. did a little update about you yeah like how did that feel like was it weird knowing all of these people who probably had never met you you know based off of his audience were like cheering you on and like okay. supporting you and things like that like is that a strange feeling do you think about it at all while you're climbing mountains like i don't know like how did you handle that Well, you know, going back on that,
1: just for like talking about gratitude, my gratitude towards Rich Rolls a lot. Like he, he's become a good friend of mine over the years, but Rich helped me to gain my audience. Like when I, I left from Huntington beach on my run across the U S he was there. He surprised me. Oh, no way. Yeah. We had a mutual friend, Dotsie Bosch. Uh, she's a silver medal Olympian cyclist. She sponsored part of my run across the U S and she asked beforehand if there was anybody I would, that I looked up to in the space. And I was like, man. Scott Jurek and Rich Roll, those two dudes are pretty rad. And she took it to heart. And yeah, I was standing on the pier in Huntington beach and this dude's walking down it in like bright pink short shorts. And I was like, that sure looks like Rich Roll. And, uh, (laughs) he came out with me and, you know, he spent 15, 13 miles with me and he posted a story being like, this guy's pretty cool. He's about to run across, he's running across the United States. And, it really started me having an audience to kind of show what I was up to. So just tons of gratitude for him over the years. Yeah. And so then when it came to the Colorado crush, yeah, it was awesome because it was like Iron Cowboy finished up one Oh one James Lawrence. And it was, I think like the, I listened to a couple of their updates and the one that I I think was the biggest honor to me was when they were like, okay, well, Iron Cowboy's done. Like, what are we going to pay attention to now? And that I got to be mentioned in the same sentence. Yeah. As him, yeah, and then I was who they decided to start highlighting next was <laughs> like, yeah, there was a pinch myself moment with that where it was just like, wow. And uh, Adam's a great guy too. Him and I have chatted a lot over the last year, and uh, yeah, just really, 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 really grateful for their support. That's cool, uh, man. They're both big, big like cheerleaders for me, and somebody both are people I, I confide in when I need to about different aspects of this wild world we live in.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah, they're just wise. They just yeah. seem wise. I don't know. Rich, like
1: Rich Rich is on another level with that. You know, he's just such a balanced, good person. And he gives himself to people in a way. You know, I you, you meet people you often, you know, you, you see somebody's like online persona or whatever, and you're like, Yeah, but are they really like that? Yeah. And meeting Rich and knowing him over the years, it's like he is that guy. Like he <laughs> he really is. He's just a solid human. So
0: that's cool man um so t- i guess to tie into that and to wrap up the whole colorado crush story the level 100 looked brutally hard like really hard you were at um even before twin lakes i can't remember what the aid station is before that but already like i'm worn down I'm beat down yeah. you know and then i just i love you described it as uh like the highs were like <laughs> we're like <laughs> I don't remember what you said, like melancholy or something. And the lows were just like the deepest pits of despair. (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) It sounds pretty dramatic, but that's exactly how it felt. And so Uh,
0: was there like, okay, so you've done all this stuff all summer long leading up to this. And you have to have thoughts because you're human. There has to be thoughts of like, I just want to sit down and quit. (laughs) How did that... um, did it like hold you more accountable doing all this stuff beforehand, having all these people cheering you on and all that? Like, was it like, I can't, I, I want to quit, but I can't quit for, because of everyone else.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and for myself and that yeah. just, I had already invested so much time and yeah. the magnitude of this, this project. Yeah. It weighed heavy while I was out there. Cause there were some times during that race where I was just like, I don't know. Like, I just don't know how I'm going to pick my leg up again, probably in a more acute way than I've ever felt. Yeah. Um, because usually in my big efforts like you know there's this there's a it's a big scope of time so there's a lot more like wiggle room like if you you know you have one day that goes bad you can make it up the next day yeah. but that's the thing about a race and especially like a hundred miler yeah or, dude. La- or you know, like the margins for error are short and i was you know i came in in 27 and a half hours like i had a little bit of a buffer but because the, the race that off 30 hours um but I felt like I was up against the wall. I was like, I I don't know if I can get it done in that amount of time. So yeah, it, it, it created a great little dramatic end to it was man. I mean, it's like
0: the whole summer leads up to this one day. Yeah. And if you don't perform on that day, then you're like, I didn't didn't accomplish what I set out to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's wild. Can you talk really quick about just, uh, like i guess trail running community in general but specifically in that race there's the moment where um i can't remember i should have written his name down um the guy kind of helps you along like no dude sam that's right Sam. (laughs) and i love like you go like you see him at the finish line and it shows you giving him a hug and i'm like dude that's so that's that's trail running to me is the community and the support and stuff like that it's such a great community right like
1: it's just it's just made up of the salt of the earth. And like, it's just all these people that are a little more rugged, a little, a little more tested and tried. And you, 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 with every, every time you you think, look at somebody and you're like, dude, that person's a hard ass. I don't even want to talk to them. And they're always the greatest people. Like, it's just always the most open and energetic and fun people. I love it so, so much. Yeah. Uh, it's like people that like to run and drink beer and i'm into both of those
0: things i yeah i'm, I'm all about it dude man and it's yeah the, the amount of support that people have for each other yeah it's a weird sport because you are technically competing and yet you're rooting for everyone because you know how hard it is i think
1: yeah like sam you know he kind of like slowed his race down to help me out and yeah like how where else does that happen and, th- and that's one of a 100 experiences like that I've yeah. had over the year in the trail racing community. And I, I think I, I like to think I've paid it forward. I've done the same for others. And yeah, it's it's what keeps you coming back to it is the community for sure.
0: It is, man. Um, Can you give us like a little preview of what's happening on, on the audacious report? So I know a couple things coming up and I'm psyched yeah. and very excited. You guys just released a trailer um for a huge thing that's going on so yeah can you kind of like hype those up as we wrap yeah
1: well first of all we're putting your film out we are very 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 excited about that so we're gonna get that
0: i raised the roof
1: (laughs) (laughs) so yeah we're gonna get that out and we're very excited to have your film on there that's another aspect it's just like we're honored that Others want us to host their films. And, you know, there's going to be, there's a threshold to quality. It has to be a, a, a certain level of production for us. And yours is just so good yeah. on every level. Uh, but then, yeah, we're rolling into a 13-part episodic series that's going to be much more real-time uh, instead of, like, an effort happens three months later yeah. or six months later. Two uh, years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, So, yeah, with this, it is two um, two two efforts, really. So I'm running the speed project. It's a non-sanctioned, no spectators, no rules race from Los Angeles to Las Vegas. It has been going on for 10 years. It's been a relay for 10 years. The past three years, they've opened up to what they call the solo mission for athletes to run the whole, the entirety of it. So oh, I'm man. going, I'm going for that. I'm com- I'm coming in hot.
0: Like I'm going to, I'm going to rage through it. What does I'm no really- rules mean? Like you tie other people's shoes together. And <laughs> right. And
1: we were, buddy and I were talking about this the other day. I don't really know other than you can take any route you want.
0: Oh, that's cool, man. Oh, that's yeah. super cool. Okay. Yeah.
1: And so there's two routes kind of, that have now been defined. There's a 240 mile route and then one that goes on more of a dirt road for a while, a power line road that gets you down to 300 miles. So I'm yeah. definitely going 300. <laughs> uh, so yeah. We're, uh, so that's happening. I'll have a full crew with me, and that crew will uh, consist of one guy named William Googe, one of my my brothers, uh, just someone I'm extremely close to and proud of, another endurance athlete. So he'll be with me. That starts on March 20th, and then April 2nd the roles will reverse, and I will start crewing him, and he's going to start his transcontinental run. So he'll be running the same route that I've ran, I ran from Huntington Beach, California, to New York City. He's going for it to be the fastest Brit of all time, so he needs to do it in 64 days, and this so this series is going to be highlighting predominantly that. The first episode will showcase my speed project, introduce all of the characters, and then on day one of his run, we'll release that one, and then every Saturday thereafter, you can expect a new episode that will cover the week before and just shows the trials, tribulations. Um, We're out there to. Pete, I mean, complete this very big effort, become a world, you know, for him to break a record, but also going to go to raise a lot of money for, uh, some cancer funds. One will be Macmillan Cancer Society in the UK. He's British. And the other will be for, uh, the American Cancer Society. His mother passed away a couple of years ago. So that's really dear, near and dear to his heart. So we're going to send it in, in respect to that that raise we're
0: really going to try to raise a lot of money and get a lot of hype behind it that's awesome man what um so when when you got when you cross the united states mm-hmm. you are talked about the route huntington is that the like classic route that people take
1: no it's becoming one so like yeah. traditionally if you were going for the record which is Ungodly fast, held by Pete Kulsnick, like forty-two. Pete? I love 40, Pete, yeah. man. He's incredible. Right? He's an awesome dude. Oh, yeah, we're we're all we're all just meek little things compared to that man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh so you know, the fastest, the most direct way, and the one that's used for the record is from San Francisco City Hall to Tavern on the Greens in Central Park. Oh, okay. Um, when I was researching mine, we were looking at a lot of options, and somebody Googled like la to new york and i was like whoa now that's going across the country like it's longer but you really go in a northeastern way yeah you really cross it and in that we found some pdfs from some guys who years before had crossed that way and we have laid those pdfs down now into strava heat maps gaia and stuff oh, like cool. that so it's starting to become defined like i used it in 2019 uh, another guy was a month behind me. Cam Williams. He ended up following my tracks. I sent him daily updates of how, where to go, kind of. Yeah. And and then um two guys in 2021 used it. A guy named Laz, as well as my good friend hella sidibe
0: Oh, nice. Uh, and then uh now here we go. Williams, they're doing Williams. it again. Yeah. Williams. Do you go across the Great? The great state of Iowa. I have to ask. An Iowa. <laughs> no, we do 14, 14 states.
1: Uh, you go California up through Arizona. Arizona and New Mexico are really fun. A lot of that's in the Navajo Nation. Okay, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, Really, really incredible place and people. And uh, then you go... Across Oklahoma, that godforsaken big ass state, <laughs> and uh, then you start cocking your way northeast
0: through more. That life. was your that was your Texas that he just came out right. Like, What's that? Just not just not liking Oklahoma is that like a Texas thing? Hmm. It's a thing because the state is huge, and it took me <laughs> days and days to get through it. And there is nothing
1: in it when i was growing up i grew up in georgia and my grandmother used to. oh say, that's you know, right that's right yeah but i grew up there no my, but i've been in texas my family was there a lot too yeah but, my, but growing up my grandmother used to say because every state has a rival next door right oh she'd yeah say, dude
0: nebraska man screw them and she'd say you
1: know uh you know why birds fly upside down in alabama and i'd be like fine she'd say because there's nothing worth shitting on and i feel that way about oklahoma <laughs> That's Nothing amazing. against people in Oklahoma. Actually no, 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 really no. kind people, but just in good yeah. fun. It's just no. a big big state and you feel yeah. like you're on a treadmill. Yeah. Like there was a day where we celebrated a turn in the road. <laughs> <laughs> like we had not turned for like 4 days.
0: <laughs> That's amazing, dude. Well, amazing. dude, I uh are you guys like creatively excited like is Reese excited to take this on because telling a story and editing it in a week Sounds amazing dude it sounds really cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's exciting. We have a lot of beta going into it which helps. Like I get to sit down with Reese and there's going to be another filmmaker with us uh yeah. a guy named James from the UK who shot William a lot over the years. And we get to sit down and I have like a photographic memory of the Transcon and so I can go through almost like play by play what it's going to look like for them. So yeah. we're taking a lot of the guesswork work out on that side. Yep. And 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 through helping Hella with his run. And having spoken to a lot of other transconners, there's definitely like some archetypal like arcs of how the difficulty comes and where it comes. So we know kind of what to anticipate, like where, Okay, Will's going to be like dead here. He's going to feel really good here. And he's going to feel like death again here. (laughs) So we've got that going for us. Don't tell him, though. Don't tell him. Yeah, Yeah. hell no, no. (laughs) Uh, And then excitingly, like James, who I mentioned, the other filmmaker, what's really cool about James is he is probably better on rollerblades than he is on his feet. And so from a filmmaker's perspective, he creates, he's like a, he's like a, breathing gimbal like he's just like super smooth and can stay with will while we're out there because that's what i want to i want to see audacious do is get better at getting in in the moments that count often you see in films if you're into this world you see how it's like so much of the filming
0: revolves around aid stations or stops Mm -hmm. dude oh my gosh you're yeah this is exactly how i felt when we were making ours
1: yeah and, and having him allows us to have somebody like in his face when shit gets weird.
0: Yeah. And that's,
1: that's what we're all about is getting weird and turning pro. And that's what we call it. It's an <laughs> old like Hunter S. Thompson, uh, quote. And, uh, we want just yeah, So James having James in his face. We're hoping to get like a real firsthand account of what it's like for the viewer. And, that's amazing. Yeah. It's going to be fun,
0: dude. I can't wait. Um, can you tell us again, like when, when that's coming out just so, and where we can find it? Yeah, Where so we can follow you.
1: we'll start on March 20th Um, via, you can check the Audacious Reports Instagram as well as mine uh, at Robbie Ballinger. And like we'll be show all of us out there will be showcasing it in real time. But then on April 2nd, the day William starts, the first episode will drop on the Audacious Reports YouTube channel. Awesome. There's also a film already on there. Uh, called run como and it was about william was the first person to run around lake como in italy in less than 24 hours and we created a six minute film about that if people want to kind of get to know william that's a great place to do it um he's he's a wild man he's really he's he's fun to watch and be a part of these things with him i was there with him in como so yeah, yeah go ahead and check out the films we have on there there's another one about Oz pearlman uh, a magician mentalist, who is also a savage runner. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's cool stuff already on there, but your film will be on there soon, which we're really yeah, excited dude. about. And then we'll also be really gaining some speed. Hopefully when this hits,
0: hits I can't wait to watch, second. man. I yeah. cannot wait. So awesome. Robbie, dude, I could talk to you for hours and Likewise, please man. come back on the podcast. Yeah, let's do it. And let's run in person at some point. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I'm into it. I can't All come right. up to Leadville this weekend, but next time. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> All right, see you, man. See you, buddy.
0: All right, that wraps up this week's episode. Uh, huge thanks to Robbie for coming on, chatting with me. It was so awesome to be able to hear about those experiences that he's had. Um, I've been interested in hearing about the Colorado Crush for A long time, actually, probably since I heard about what the Colorado Crush was and what Robbie was doing out there. Uh, So I'm sure you could tell I was completely geeking out. Uh, I've watched the film probably four or five times now, the Colorado Crush film. Uh, It's fantastic. Reese is a wonderful filmmaker. I've been really impressed by everything they've done at the Audacious Report, even though I keep saying audacious and I keep meaning to say audacious. Audacious. And I'm not sure if it's one of those words you can say either way, but during the intro to the podcast, I kept uh, saying audacious. I'm like, I don't think that's how you say it, man. (laughs) Uh, But what they've been able to do with the audacious report is really inspiring to me. It gets me really excited because I've had many conversations with both of them about what their plans are, what's next with it, where do they see this project going and man, they are dreaming big. They are—they have some bold adventures they're featuring. I know Robbie talked about some in the episode, uh, and I'm just really excited to support them in any way I can because I just love what they're putting out into the world. I think it's—I think it's fantastic. I think it's inspiring, um, and I'm just a huge fan. Like I'm a huge fan of what they're doing, uh, which kind of made it when we decided. We were going to release the film with them there was a couple factors going in one we want it available on youtube where people can see it and share it we don't want we don't want anything preventing folks from seeing it because i think i'm really proud of it one but i'm also i think it's something i'm hoping people will draw inspiration from and you know we'll talk about it next week in the next few episodes as we talk about the movie but there's so much that i'm proud of with it and we decided as a filmmaking team that we just wanted it out there and we wanted as many people as possible to see it uh i love that the audacious report is you know it's it's bootstrapping it it's you know it's uh grassroots you know and i think so much of this sport is grassroots and that's what draws me into it um that's why i love ultra running i love that anyone can go out and do it and find this success and find this meaning and find this purpose and when i think about the uh what what robbie and reese what their dreams are um for their channel is it's that it's bringing that access available to people who are who have these huge huge goals and might not have the following already going into the goals like it shouldn't be someone needs a following to go out and do these crazy awesome things and to make crazy awesome films about it it, sh- it shouldn't have to be that way um it should just be i don't know like me as a viewer i want to see the crazy awesome adventures because that's what people are doing And I think that's so cool. And I want to see it. I want to be a part of it. Like so often on the podcast, there are people I've interviewed who don't have a giant social media following who are doing incredible things. Um, I always think of the Jimmy Valvano quote, which if you've never seen it, and I know I've mentioned it on here before, but there's a 30 for 30 called um, Survive in Advance. And it has Coach Valvano from NC State. It's about the March Madness. But he says every day... In every walk of life, ordinary people do extraordinary things. And I think being able to um, give those people the means to share their stories in a very like high-level, highly produced, high-quality way is so important. And it's so cool. And it makes me really, really excited. So, um, so yeah. So, yeah march 10th our film will be out there a long way from nowhere you're gonna hear about it more if you tune back into the podcast um because this is just gonna open the floodgates on me finally talking about this thing um to the level that i want to talk about it um and with a lot of the racers a lot of the filmmakers that helped and things like that along the way so um, we're gonna do that over the next couple weeks uh but the film will be out there please check it out um and please check out all their other things. The Colorado Crush films on there. Oz Perlman, who's, uh does this crazy long run. Uh, and then Robbie and Reese are just preparing for this big trans con run. And they're going to feature it basically in real time or as real time as you can get. Maybe like a week later or something like that. And they're going to do it uh, with episodes. And I know for me, like I'm just psyched to, to watch that and just see what it is what it would be like to run across the country because i've talked to people who've done it i've heard stories you know i place my imagination on it which is great uh, but i also want to see it i want to see that reality because it to me it makes it seem like more of a possibility you know if i ever want to do that i've watched it happen i see that someone can accomplish it and uh that's what i think their channel is bringing so check all that out and uh yeah we'll get back at you next week it's going to be an exciting week oh if you're in durango well This is coming out on Friday. Well, if you're in Durango and you're hearing this on Friday, (laughs) come out Saturday to the Animus City Theater. We'll be playing it at the Durango Film Fest. Uh, It'll be fun. I'll have to let y'all know how that goes. All right. Talk to you next week.